Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 220. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Panner. And I'm Zachary Adam What a busy weekend it's been. For me in particular, commentating on three different games over the course of the weekend, taking in Whitecaps MLS action plethora of games on the TV. It's just been football, football, football. Did you do two on Friday? Yeah, it was a double header. All right. We've got some good stuff planned for you this evening. We have a, an exclusive sit-down interview with Carl Robinson. Zach got a, a chance to talk with him in depth on Friday afternoon. And we really kind of delve into the psyche of Robbo, what makes him tick, what goes behind the thinking of his team, stuff like that. So you don't want to miss that. That's coming up in part three of the show. We've also got a chat with Kakuta Mani and something which I'm still buzzing about. I got to speak to one of my favourite actors on Saturday, Ray Winston. Guy maybe not known to too many people here. We know him for different things. Because obviously me (laughs) being from the UK and you guys know. Well, your first introduction was an older movie. I think you said Scum. Scum. I I wanted to have this as a... A film about Portland. Oh no, Seattle? Yeah, see, I wanted to have this as a a scum-themed show, but that would basically just involve putting some snooker balls in a sock and whacking Steve across the head with it. No, So I thought, that maybe not going to go down very well. I I first was introduced to him in Sexy Beast, Ben Kingsley movie. Excellent film. I've never seen Sexy Beast. Fantastic You're looking at one now. And and Zach, you saw him in I think. Uh, well, I'm recently. just I'm just double checking, but yeah, he was in Indiana Jones Four. Yeah, Scum was the film that gave him his his big break. Then he had a, a smaller part in Quadrophenia, which is my favorite movie of all time. Quadrophenia and the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder. Bit of a difference, but anyway. So that's all coming up. We're going to kick things off by looking at the the most recent MLS game. What a game it was. If you had scripted it, I don't think you could have scripted it any better. Kakuta Mani, Tony Chani, facing each other off, facing their old teams, and it looked from bulk of the last half hour that Kakuta Mani was going to come back and haunt the White Caps, but no, Tony Chani had other ideas, popped up with a vital 90-second equaliser, 
two-all draw. Very entertaining game. Some end-to-end stuff. It was okay. Was that okay it was, because it wasn't a win? <laughs> no, it, it I was thought, dis- disappointing not to win. I thought the first half was kind of, I, I, except for those five minutes um, that the two goals were scored in, I, I, the first half was, uh, I could have gone, it could have been a little bit more exciting, but definitely the second half picked up uh, right off the bat when Reina hit the head, uh, post. <sighs> and then, yeah. and then, and then right to the end when Chani scored that goal at the end. And so it was like a fantastic uh, second half, but the first half like could have been a little bit better. Happy ber- happy 23rd birthday, Jordy. I'm not sure if he'll be listening because I'm not sure how good his English is. He keeps on saying it's not good, but it's fine. I know. Yeah. Lo- lots of players do that yeah. just because they don't want to do interviews. No one really wants to talk to me. Robert Carlyle didn't. Yeah, I don't, his English <laughs> is not that great, I guess, yeah. too. But I did have the the pleasure after the alumni match of having Begbie say to me, nah, I'm not doing any talking, mate. So to, to me, I wish I'd recorded that. We could have had it as a little bumper for the show. Yeah, it was once he saw you were media, right? Yeah. Media pass. <laughs> it was smiles until he saw my pass. And then I was like, nah. I put, put on my broadest Scottish accent as well, thinking, hey. So different than how you're talking now? Yeah, even broader than this. But oh. when Scottish folk get together, it, it's hard to understand. Something else that's hard to understand. A lot of fans applauded Kikuta Mane's goal. Whitecaps fans, that is. Obviously, Columbus fans were going crazy. Yeah, yeah that's... I understand applauding him as C comes out, getting subbed off after the match, showing him some love, but not cheering on the opposition goal. It was a cracker. I maybe have applauded some goals against my teams before when they've been absolute thunderbolts, but that wasn't the reason I don't think that they were applauding. No. It was because he played here and they appreciated him. I don't think, you know, for me personally, yeah, that's not the... Like I appreciate, I, I'm I'm a person who totally appreciates when former players come back and the opportunity to connect with them or whatever. But I don't think I've ever celebrated any of their any of their goals, especially when it's a go ahead goal. Yeah, I know, well, no, I can, yeah, I can understand if the Whitecaps are up five nil and yeah. then he yes. scores and yes, yes. appreciate yeah. it. Which is what I told him. If you listen to episode two one nine or midweek podcast, I told him that I said I, I would be happy for him if he scores as long as it's not an important one. Yeah. Looking at the stats from the game, two pretty even teams in some regards. Columbus 15 shots, Whitecaps 13. Columbus 8 on target, Whitecaps 4. Possession again. We talked about this last week. Columbus is a team you do not want to give up a lot of possession to. And it's 60% to 40%. I mean, we know and we're going to hear from Robo about that later in the show, but... You can't just keep giving up this possession, especially to dangerous teams like that. And the thing is, you know what you need to do? You need to record like uh, something about that possession and goals, um, because uh, like 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 that Pink Floyd um, song about you know meat and pudding. You can't have any goals if you don't have any possession. How can you get any goals if you don't have any possession? Yes, you need to th- you need to record I, something like Scottish that. Accent to yeah, do that. you should do something like that. No, but he's, he's, they're going to do that. They're, they're not interested in possession. Yeah. They're not a team that can carry possession too much. Their midfield are, uh, you know, Gazal, Chani yesterday. Uh, Reyna can carry possession, but he can't do it by himself. So you don't expect it too much. He just has no support in there. Countering the counter. Yeah. Something else we'll talk to Rob about later in the show. Yeah. Th- Vancouver has, a, I believe it's the fewest completed passes in the league and, and at the bottom or near the bottom of... I think attempted passes as well. Um, 
Yeah, they don't. They don't value possession, and that's yeah. just but how they cares? play. Who cares? We're but top who, of the league. Who cares when you when you're winning? Yeah, exactly. But when you don't win, you'll take great yeah. great flack for it. Let, let's quickly look at the goals. We won't go into them in tons of depth. Freddie Montero, Freddie Effin Montero, twelfth goal of the season for number twelve. Right in the middle of the 12% off for season tickets. That That's was how brutal. It was announced. That was shockingly <laughs> brutal. They were de- so de- they were so desperately hoping that he scored during this 12% yeah. promotion. That, 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 that was, that was ready had to go. That bit of paper ready for, to go. Oh, come on. Come on. So people in our in our section were retching when that was announced. Like do you think from the general populace that no one cares oh nobody paid attention to it at all i I laughed hilariously in the press box yeah what kind of laughter what kind of laughter was it (laughs) (laughs) i think it was more subliminal subliminal so it wasn't a laughter of disgust no okay it was more a laugh of i cannot believe they did that now it was clever marketing i will give them that but i still can't believe they did that Oh, and then they tweeted out, I think, the same thing? Yeah. yeah. I don't read the tweet. No, I was, because I, I embedded it in your yeah. match uh-huh. report. Okay. You don't read your match report. <laughs> no, I don't. Just like I don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, but <laughs> M- Montero's goal. Some nice interplay in the build-up to it. Christian Montero, the, the hair of Jordi Reina. Christian who? Teixeira. Oh, okay, sorry. I don't know who I said. Yeah. The hair of Jordi I, Reina. I, I think he did get his head on it. He didn't uh, uh, put it down. It wasn't just the, <laughs> brushing off the hair. Um, uh, because it, it it basically dropped on the ground and just really settled for Montero there. And he was able to get a great strike on yeah, it. Yeah, lovely finish. 1-0. I was like, yes, here we go. Going to go on, dominate this. Maybe win 3-1. Especially them at score. <laughs> um, but then, minutes later... A guy that I really like, very impressed by his play the last two seasons, Ola Kamara. Spoke to him after the game, but that's for our written piece we're going to do on AFTN next week. Manny, with the assist, skinning. Can we say skinning, maybe? Well, getting the better off anyway, the, the White yeah. Cats defence. Jake, getting past yeah, Jake. Jake. I mean, it's probably the, one of the few mistakes Nerwinski made the, the whole afternoon. But Jake, the, that's the only thing you could do there. You have to play it, and yeah. and, and, and Manny was fast enough to get in and out and get the cross in right away. And, and Kamara was the one that just got in front of Parker there, got yeah. his foot to it and just poked it through. Got right between Parker and, and Waston. Yeah. Yeah, some people are, I've heard some people talk in social media circles saying that, the, the the center backs or the the guys who played three three of the games or a lot of the minutes this week looked tired or sluggish, and I think that's one of the examples they would maybe point to. Well, we don't have to worry too much about Kendall being sluggish. Picked up a yellow card, is suspended for the next game, which awesome. I'm, I'm happy it's with. It's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I say players get these yellow cards deliberately. That wasn't deliberate because I, <laughs> I, I don't think he really thought he was going to get a yellow card for no. that. But I think he would have got one later on. Um, freeing him up not to play against Colorado, but keeping him good to play against Seattle. For real. And probably sporting too. I don't think he's going to get – hopefully he doesn't get a red card there. Yeah. So then he'll yeah, play in the next couple of games. A little worried though about Freddie because he is one suspension away from missing the Seattle game as well. I think they'll just he'll just make sure he plays I, smart. I could I could see the Colorado lineup being more similar to let's say the the game against Minnesota than the game against Columbus or Interesting. Well, we'll come to that in part yeah. two. Uh, sorry, I, I I hope that, but yeah, we'll the, get now. That also, later. remember Montero got a lot of his yellow cards when they were pressuring up high, and they don't do that as much True. as they were. So the, maybe that might make. And a he difference. is experienced; he can keep his head. Yeah, very experienced. But the end of the first half, there's a couple of close calls for. 
Columbus, but I mean, 1 1 kind of felt fair at half time. Second half, though, Caps came out. Reyna, beautiful little turn in the box, crashes off the right post. And you're thinking, oh, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt them. But we also thought, we hope Kikuta Manny doesn't come back to haunt <laughs> us. And as Robo says in his post-match chat, it's like he, he knows what he's capable of and he didn't want to see it. He did see it. Lovely run. Left Gazal just trailing in his way. Gazal's obviously a guy that doesn't know Kikuta that well and doesn't know his pace. Got nowhere near him. Can't fault him for it, really, because Kakuta was in full flow by the time I think Gazal tried to, to shut him down. At the beginning of the play, that wasn't part of the problem at the beginning of the play, that both the both members of the double shield, kind of their spacing and their Split, positioning was yeah. quite, quite, they were off. quite off, yeah. And, and Which he, created this huge space to run And then into. he was basically, I think he ran about 15 feet or 20 feet. Uh, he had a run of that, and then he had, he had 30, what, it was a 30-yard strike or something like what that. What is that in yards? This is football. We oh, yards. yards. I meant, uh, sorry, I meant yards. I don't know. I work, I work in feet. Oh, sorry, I meant yards. But what a strike. 25-yarder? 30. 35? He'll be turning his grandkids with 60 yarders. Yeah. Yeah, that day I went back to Vancouver and I hit the 60-yarder and the home fans went crazy. <laughs> well, Scooter's, so, a, good, Scooter's a good guy. Yeah, I, I love him. Based on his what he wants to do, I'm hoping that's not his biggest thing that he tells his grandkids. He's hoping. He's touché, hoping too. Touche. Yeah. Yes, very, very true. But we'll hear that in part two. But yeah, great strike. And after that, the Caps tried to get the equaliser. Reyna again getting a header this time off the left post. And you're starting to think, not going to be our afternoon. Into stoppage time. But you just felt there could be one last push. It came, and it had to be. Titi, Tony Chani, anything Manny can do, Chani can do, maybe not better, because he wasn't a 25-yarder, <laughs> but he can poke the ball home from close range off a, an opposition defender. They all count, like penalties. They all count. No, well, it, it, he could do it better, because Kukuda Manny doesn't have as long as legs as Chani, so he wouldn't have been able to get to that ball. Plus, Kukuda's was just a go-ahead goal. Yeah. This, was a, this was a clutch equaliser. Yeah. In the in the injury time, Chani should be goal of the week for me. Yeah, <laughs> solid. Yeah, right off the, somebody's hand too. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think it bounced off somebody's hand. In there. But it, the the build up to the play too, uh, Kendall Waston. Uh, somebody I can't remember who mentioned in the post game about how Kendall Waston froze on that header and allowed it to go to Montero, yeah. and then Montero crossed yeah. it in. Yeah, it, it was it was a second phase of a dead ball, right? Yeah, yeah. Montero's cross was sublime. That. He he knew exactly what he's doing. He's like, if I can't reach, I think it was Timmy. If I can't reach Timmy's head, it's going to fall to to the back at Chani. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. That was one of the passes of the season, for me. Obviously, you don't agree because you can't stand Freddie Montero, Zach. No, I I have nothing against <laughs> him as a person. I just don't like. See, you, I, I, I actually. Actually, I had the beginning of an interesting conversation at training on Friday, and we'll see what happens. And then you walked oh. away. No, I don't want <laughs> <laughs> We'll see what that leads yeah. to. So that's some of our thoughts on the game. We'll be back with a few more, but let's hear now from both head coaches. And we're going to do things a, a little bit different this week because Greg Berhalter from Columbus Crew is going to be first. Then we're going to have Robo. The reason for that is Berhalter makes some comments, and we're going to talk about that after we hear this. And it's also chronological order, too. Yes. Yellow swag, Columbus crew. Yellow swag, Columbus crew. Yellow swag, Columbus crew. Greg, was that uh, a game that if it was scripted, with both guys scoring against their former teams, 
was it just on the cards that something like that was going to happen today? Yeah, I think that's nice. You know, happy for both those guys. Uh, obviously, particularly happy for Kakuda for for the warm reception by the fans. But but not only that, the performance. Um, you know, I talked to him about how important he is to this team and how he's going to be able to make a, an impact down the stretch. And um, he he showed, he showed it. And um, you know, really happy for his performance tonight. It's like this, you're against the team that's top in the West. Do you leave happy with a point, or do you feel that you threw it away at the end there? No, I don't think we're happy with a point. You know, if you look in the dressing room, the guys aren't happy. Um, you know, we wanted to prove a point. Uh, you know, it came back through the grapevine that they're calling us a soft team, and, and you know, they're going to be physical with us. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see the thoughts now after the game because um, I, I didn't see it that way at all. I think we controlled the match. We defended well, set pieces. We, which we knew was a big strength of theirs and, you know, looked the more aggressive team and looked the team that wanted to attack, wanted to score goals. So we're disappointed at the end that they got the goal, um, you know, but we'll keep our heads up and keep working. Obviously in the East, Toronto's kind of running away with things at the moment, but speaking to Kakuta during the week, he believes that you can make a, a real good run in the playoffs do you see your team as maybe a dark horse for the postseason? You've definitely got the players that can connect and do some damage in the postseason. You know, I don't think we're interested at, um, you know, what everyone has to say. We believe in our group. The guys believe in each other. And we keep our heads down and we keep working. Um, you know, Toronto's had an exceptional year. Uh, you know, one for the history books. And, and they're the team everyone's trying to catch. But, you know, we'll take it game by game, keep our heads down and keep working. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad in certain areas. I thought we were a little bit... Uh, we weren't sharp enough, uh, and I thought that might be the case after three games, the third game in a week. Uh, we were maybe 80% playing, and I think that worked to their favour because they're a very good uh, possession-orientated team. They like to lull you um, and obviously slow the tempo of the game down, and when they got the goal the goal ahead then obviously that's what they did for 20 odd, odd minutes or so so I think we deserved a point based upon the chances we had Jordi hits the post twice uh, should score maybe both of them um, but until I see it again I'm, I'm happy with the point I'll take it it shows great character that this group has got great attitude never say die attitude you know can we be better yeah of course we can we know that individually collectively but when you're not sharp your mind is tired emotions tired and I think we were uh, it's important you grind um, when I say grind I mean fight, scrap do all the fundamentals off the ball that you need to do to try and gain a bit of momentum when you do have the ball and that's what we did especially in those last 10 minutes and if it would have been another 5 minutes I think the momentum was with us and we probably could have got another goal so uh, pleased, really pleased with the guys uh, Is it a pretty good story where you got former teammates <laughs> uh, former trading partners or whatever getting the goals for, against their former teammates I think it's fitting. Um, we know what... I know what Kakuta can do. You know, I, I said uh, I have a great relationship with the boy, and I think he showed today, you know, moments of brilliance. Uh, having said that, I think Jake Nowinski was excellent against him. You know, he probably let one cross in today in the first half, and Kakuta managed to obviously set up the, the goal for Kamara. The second, I think we allowed him space to do that, but I've seen it time and time again in training. Uh, I didn't want to see it again today, but I did. So credit to the boy, you know, obviously we got on great, so happy for him, uh, but happy for Tony as well. You know, Tony's come up big for us a number of times this year and 
Uh, you might not get the, the plaudits that maybe Kakuta does, uh, but you certainly should today. Uh, Coach Berhalter was just in here, and he was saying that he heard through the grapevine yeah. leading up to this match that the Caps were saying that his team was soft. I'm wondering what your assessment of that is. It's a great grapevine, isn't it? It really is. I've just seen Greg now on the way out because he, um, it, was, it was told to me, and, and I told him I did say that, but I told him to try and use it as motivation for my team. Uh, he used it for motivation for his team, and I used it for motivation for my team because they were very good. Technically, they're as good as anyone in this league at the way they build and the way they play. They've got those type of players. So I used it, yeah, and I told him, and um, we were fine, we're good. Yeah. Yellow gold, yellow shoes, yellow beach, Columbus crew, yellow diamonds, I want a yellow coupe, yellow swag, Columbus crew, yellow swag, Columbus crew. The gaffers there. Columbus crew. I prefer the normal exit to the gaffer interview music. I, I've saved that for when we speak to the gaffer. Oh, okay. Damn, I've should have spoilers, damn. <laughs> right. Let's talk about something Greg Berhalter said there. How he had heard through the grapevine that the Whitecaps thought that Columbus were soft. Robo's response? Great grapevine, that is. Now, that grapevine surely has to be. Robo told the players that. One of the players told Kakuta. Kakuta told the Columbus players. But yeah, I mean, Berhalter not... Not Mr. Cheery after the game? Yeah, he he wanted to talk to his former player after the game as well, right? Yes. Yeah, the, if you haven't seen this, at the end of the broadcast, Tony Chani is speaking to Terry Bigman Dunfield, and Berhalter comes over, basically says something like, remember, you're, you're first, we're not first, which I take to mean, you're meant to be first, but we were better than you. Hard to really take it any other way. Yeah, uh, uh, they got the road draw. Yeah, but then everyone's like, oh no, it was good nature because he gives him a little slap and an end. His face you know, did just not... like Kendall slapped Kikuta and we'll probably well, get a five-match ban. Yeah, no, that's normal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe people were calling for that on Twitter. But um, no, he, like his, I know it's a gift and now and whatever, but his facial expression did not look like jovial, joking, like whatever. It looked to be fair, kind of serious. His, I don't know if he smiles. Right. I'm not sure I've ever seen that. He laughed a little bit when you asked the Kamara question. Yeah, that was a dismissive laugh. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. I like Ola Kamara. I know. He totally took your questions wrong. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Anyway, going back just to wrap up the game, which which Whitecaps players stood out for you and was there any that disappointed? Well, I think Jordy Reyna stood out even though he didn't score. Uh, I felt obviously felt like he should have scored, but he, his play, his creativity, he's become the fulcrum of the attack. Yeah. Is it fair to say he is the best Geordie in Vancouver since Peter Beersley? <laughs> Clearly. I agree. Mm. Sure. Any other players stood out? What about defensively? Anyone shine? I don't think so. See, some people, I think, were giving Jake a bit of a hard time for... 
for not being able to contain one of the fastest yeah. guys in MLS. I, I thought overall, because Kakuda, the only the, the goal he scored, he was playing centrally there. Yeah, he wasn't playing on the wing, and that wasn't where it, James. No, I think it's just from that one this, assist. Apart one assist, from that, yeah. I thought Nurbinski had a good game and that's, again. I think and that's, got forward well. That's why Kakuda had to go centrally because he couldn't get anything yeah. down the wing. Yeah. That's a bit harsh. I, I didn't think he was that yeah. bad, but some people were critical. I, I, thought, I thought it brought it back down to earth or back down to... Yeah. I honestly don't think anyone really excelled or stood out, but nobody was, was really awful. poor yeah. either. It was just a an average performance well, against a good team oh, so we didn't, to evenly match teams. I don't think we talked about him last game or the previous game. Uh, what about Breck Shea? He, he didn't really impress me, but he did, didn't unimpress me. It just blah. Yeah, there were a couple moments where I thought he was – he didn't – like maybe he didn't realize. Like there was a one play where um, the Columbus Crew player was running to keep the ball in uh, on the in, in the white cap yes, zone. Yes, because yeah. you told – And, and Shea was just up. standing around there and he didn't follow him. And then he actually kept it in. And then Shea realized, oh, my God, he kept it in. So then he had to go after yeah. the player. So yeah. there, he, there was just a couple of moments. But he, he seems to be a player who – who, like I said, like we said after the Minnesota game, relies on his talent more and um, is either conserving energy or doesn't yeah. want to use it as but he much. he pops up with, with big goals. He pops up with – he stood he's out half time yeah. with whatever the hell that was he was wearing for the fishing yeah. thing. That was – I know I'm not Mr. Fashionable as I'm in my White Cats polo shirt tonight. Yeah. I was commentating though, so – yeah. Haven't had time to change. He, uh, I know someone who's gone golfing with him, and yeah, he wears fun clothes all the time. But I thought he was going to show up with a gun to the fishing thing. Yes, and we thought that shoot the fish out. That would yeah. be fantastic. So, who, who was your white cats man in the matchman? Reina. Uh, I would, I because yeah, Reina was all over the pitch, and he was because Columbus had to keep like three people around him. They basically cre- yes. they, they made a triangle around whenever he had the ball. Yeah, um, he got a lot of attention. A lot again, of which attention. Which we will come to when we talk about Reina in part two. But I, yeah, I think Reina's probably uh, the man of the match. For me, he, I think he would be, yes. Yeah. Now, Columbus really impressed me. I, I, I joked to Kakuta after the match that it was nice to see him and I would see him back here in December for the MLS Cup, to which he shot back, oh, well, we're going to be there. I don't know about you guys. Classic. So I could see that. Obviously, Toronto just now are running away with Supporters Shield. As, as Berhalter says, it's like a season for the ages, potentially, for them. And I think the Galaxy basically laid down for them today. Oh, that. <laughs> that was last night. Yeah. Well, last night? Yeah, it was yeah. last night. I thought it was today for some reason. They, well, didn't, they didn't know what day it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally fine. The Galaxy are trash. And they're playing yeah. for them. The Galaxy. Yeah, that was, that was a bad... One of the worst results, I think, for them for the season. It's not going to be a good Thanksgiving in the Siggy Schmidt household. Oh no. man, Turkey <laughs> will be slaughtered. Yeah, they. Oh man, and what like what a terrible time to, for them to implode and just self destruct the way they have. Like year. next year yeah. is going to be crazy. It, it seems like there's going to be two expansion teams in LA. <laughs> yes, that's going to be a nice battle. The results yesterday saw Portland and Seattle, and I think Sporting KC. No. Eliminated from the supporter shield contention, but we're still in it with a shout. We could still win the supporter shield. We could still. We're we're a point still in the race. Vancouver could still finish outside the playoffs and and qualify for Champions League if we win. No, actually, (laughs) (laughs) Toronto sixty-two points, eleven ahead now of New York City, but Columbus are in fourth place, ticking along nicely. They've got four games to go, forty-four points. 
it would be a massive surprise if they don't make the postseason now. I do see them as a bit of a dark horse. Well, when you have a guy like Iguain, you can and play... And Ola Kamara. And Ola Kamara who can finish. But, but Iguain is a guy, when he's on, you can play good quality possession football and he can distribute and score and create. And so they're dangerous. And yeah, Ola has been... Good in his time at Columbus. And Iguin, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he said this is his last year with the crew. I think, I think he, he mentioned say something that, yes. like that. He hinted at it at least. Yeah, because they could lose a lot of players this so offseason. He might be motivated yeah. to do something in his last Kamara year. Kamara as well, he's had interest from back in Europe. He's Norwegian. I, like, I tweeted out half in fun but half meaning it. Imagine him and Montero up front for the Caps. That would be just glorious. Yeah. Two strikers? Yeah, I know, I know. It's like crazy talk, but bear with me. But yet, another player they could lose is Kakuta Mani. He is out of contract at the end of the season. If you listen to my chat with him on Thursday's podcast, he talked about his frustration. He was very open about it. But I got a chance to catch up with Kakuta after the match, just chatting about his emotions about being back in the BC place, pitching a, a lot more besides. So let's hear now from Skur. You know, it's tough, um, you know, but um, it's pretty nice. I, I was really excited coming, coming back to Vancouver. Um, you know, the city gave me everything um, I had and everything I am today. You know, basically grew up here and, I, you know, I, I consider it as, a, you know, a home for me. So, yeah, it was a bit emotional coming down, um, you know, different to being with uh, in different calls. Um, but it was fun. Um, the whole trip was fun. You know, we came down Wednesday. The boys enjoyed um, the city and um, you know, saw them around and you know, met some old friends. But I, I thought it was good. It was good. It was just uh, it felt a little bit weird. It was different, you know. But uh, I we enjoyed. Um, we enjoyed it, and um, uh, it's back to. It's good to be back. Is there part of you that feels Vancouver let you go too early, and you maybe had a, a bit of a point to prove? Um, I, I, I think so. Um, I think so. Uh, I think you know it, it's funny. Um, you know, when, well, as soon as I got to Columbus, uh, coach Greg told me he said, you know, I think they gave up on you early. You know, we we know what you can do, and that's why we brought you here. I think you know, I, I love this city. You know, I wanted to be here, but sometimes things don't you know work that way. Coaches, coaches, and uh, um, the organization see it different. You know they have different plans, and um, you know we unfortunately we had to part ways. But ways, uh, but uh, you know I love this team. I wanted to, I wanted to be here. You're out of contract at the end of the season. Are you just keeping all your options open right now? Yeah, I am. I am keeping all my options open. Uh, we'll see what happens, but um, you know I I want to explore. You know I want to I want to go out of my comfort zone and you know. Um, you know, do things uh, that I've been wanting to do uh, my whole, you know, since I started playing soccer. Uh, that's uh, to go and play in Europe. You know, that's obviously something, you know, another option that we're looking at. Um, my, I'm looking at my agency, agent is looking at too. Uh, but you never know, things never work. Sometimes things don't work out as planned. Um, you know, I could be here, you know, but um, I think I really, I, I really individually, personally, I want to go to Europe and, you know, explore and see um, what it's all about. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's too early for me to say. I just want to stay out of that and you know let my agent work that in off season, and you know we can start figuring things out. I think. I mean, January is it's far away. <laughs> A few months, you know, we have to um, you know um, kind of sort things out. And um, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm just trying to leave it alone right now and uh, help the help crew to you know um, win the MLS Cup. 
Yeah, I know we talked a little bit about that during the week, but a lot of people are now kind of tipping Columbus as dark horses to maybe make a good run in, in the postseason. A performance like today, it must show that you can definitely compete with the best in MLS. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I th- I, we've always believed that we're a very good team. Um, we know we're a very good team. We have uh, quality players. You know, if you look at it, the competition on the team, it's it's unbelievable. Especially, you know, in attacking third, you know, <laughs> coach leaving Justin Miran behind and scoring double digits. You know this uh, this season, and so that that tells you that um, the competition is really really high. The quality, you know, of the team is is unbelievable. I, I just think you know the only thing is if we can keep playing as a team and you know fight for each other. Um, you know we know we have the talent. You know we gotta compete and you know have the heart to um, when I win something this year. And I think we have that mentality. You can see it. Everybody um, is on board. Um, Want to win something this year and. I think they reflect on a little bit of, you know, 2015, you know, when they lost to Portland. And I think all the guys that have been there now are hungry. You know, they, they've tested it and, they, you know, they want to win. Uh, they want to win something this year. I think we're going in the right direction, um, really having a really good run. If we can keep that going, I think we'll um, end up with something at the end of the year. Thanks so much, Scott. Kutamani there. Interesting that he's keeping his options open in in some ways because I guess if he starts to light it up for Columbus down the stretch, he may want to stay there, but it'd be a big, big surprise. Kakutamani will not be in Columbus next year. Bang goes our first round draft pick. We might just have to settle for a wad of cash instead, I, I guess. Sure. No, but is he a free agent? Is he free to go, or is he? Is he's, he not a, he's not a free agent no. in MLS world. But no, 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 is he? A, he's out of contract. He's out, he's of, contract. out of contract. Yeah. As he said to me on Thursday, when he talked about how he knew the writing was on the, the wall from the Whitecaps, he basically said the way that the Camillo situation played out, he knew that they wouldn't want to take a risk <laughs> that he might test them, yeah, and they wouldn't get anything for him. I, I wish him well. I hope if he goes to Europe, he makes it. It's a dream for him. He really wants to do it. And yeah, let, let's let's just hope that that he does. Yeah, uh, you gotta wish you gotta wish him well. Everyone, uh, all the people who clapped and applauded for him, I'm sure wish wish him well. Wish him well. Um, but it'll be exciting to see what's next for him. Yeah, and something else that's going to be very exciting is this Western Conference. Now, it's split between two. Races, two lots of four. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. The, the looks on your faces there was like, where, where's he going? Well, what, I just see. What's, what's he going to condone now? <laughs> I just the reason why that popped in my head was because I was just I was watching the Emmys in the background, and um, obviously when there's that kind of political stuff comes oh. out, so that's why when you said that I was like, oh, what? Yeah, there's two firm races in MLS West. Yeah. There's the top four. One point between them. And then... Five through eight. Yeah. Crazily, the last two places have just gone insane. And you've got RSL and San Jose in them. And you've got the two Texan teams out of them. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. 
Who, no, I, I, it's no like a one... hurricane went through that bottom floor. <laughs> oh, no. I think that's too early. Steve. Oh, is it? <laughs> um, no, seriously, not not one person, not one person would have thought Dallas would be able to take the dive that they're on. No, but oh, actually, oh, Steve, no. Oh, yeah, Steve, Steve, <laughs> Steve did. Steve said that. But I mean, we talked not even that long ago. And we're talking to Jonathan Tannenwald, and we're talking to Stephen Agin from Radio Cascadia, and it's like, Dad, do you see any of these teams possibly pushing the top six? And they're like, no. Oh, yeah. It, it is crazy. It is, it is, it is crazy. Well, but, RSL has to prove Martin McMahon wrong. Essentially, that's what they're trying to do. Because then, then, then they say to, uh, then he go to their coach and say, oh, oh yeah. you guys oh, have no yeah. chance at the playoffs now. Yeah, he's like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just he, want to get this right. You the, still think you can do this? Yeah, and the, right now they're in a playoff spot. Although yeah. they do, the, uh, they have other played teams, more games. They have more games, yeah. two more games than the guys behind them. The crazy thing is, the team that's top of the West, Vancouver, Woo. has six games left. And if they didn't get all the points, or if they dropped all the points or only got a couple, they could finish outside the top yeah. six. Yeah. And, well, see, this is the thing. You look at the Caps running now, and you look at who's below them, and they're playing all three teams. All of them on the road. That's a scary proposition, but we have done well on the road. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, uh, you know, in, in order to clinch at like at least a top four spot, they they need, their magic number is like eleven. So any combination of um, essentially Houston because they got the most games, any combination of them losing eleven points or worth gaining eleven points, and we clinch the top four spot. And so, it is now confirmed. We cannot finish bottom. No. Colorado's draw at the weekend means we cannot finish bottom of the West. No relegation for us this year. We won't be going to USL. There'll be no Whitecaps teams in USL next season. No wooden spoon. Wouldn't that be awesome if Colorado was going to USL? That would be great. Maybe not for Colorado. No, not for Colorado, but I'm sure they. I'm sure they. I'm sure that in that state they'd be able to get over it somehow. Well, the thing is, NASL would want them to come to them because they think they're in the division. Well, yeah, and they are desperate right now. I guess that segues nicely into Colorado. They are next up for the Whitecaps on Saturday. We may do a preview podcast. I'm going to see if I can get hold of Tim Howard. What if they get hold of Kit? It's not going to happen. He's probably going to shout at me. I wanted to speak to Kevin Doyle, but he might still be suffering from a concussion. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he suffered a concussion two games ago. I think so, as long as he talks in a dark room, he doesn't have to have the lights on. He'll be fine. So who knows what he might say? Yeah. But he he was questionable for the game on Saturday, and he didn't make it. So he you have to think he might be back. But does it matter who even plays for Colorado? Are they just that bad? They did get a draw at the weekend. Yeah, to put it in your language, Michael, they're rubbish. Yes, love that word. This is maybe not preview-ish, but I just want to – there's been some people talking in, in this way, and it's been disturbing to hear. But I've heard some people talk about – who let, we'll leave their names out of it. But some people talking about how basically like Vancouver is this year's Colorado, right? Like last a- year, Colorado the, – they've made a good run and then they, – They were poor the year before. They've been solid defensively. They've been focusing on defense. And they're near the top of the the West. To, to use another UK word that I love, <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> now, 2015, Whitecaps had their best ever MLS season. 2016, underperformed. 
our big question going into 2017 is what one was the real white caps? We're doing really well. So you have to say two out of three good seasons? No way are we doing what Colorado did. That That's absolute bollocks. I thought it was also very poor analysis. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say Vancouver's doing really, really well. They're doing well. They are they're, top they're doing, of the Western Conference. Yes. They're doing well in the context of the Western Conference. Yes. Which is that's the all that matters that at this point. Yeah, that's really all that matters at this point. Yeah. But no supporter shield. No, oh, haters going to hate. <laughs> just because no. they're not going to win the supporter shield or the Cascadia Cup. Didn't win the Voyager's Cup. Canadian Championship. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm just trying to rile you up now. I mean, are you expecting a shock at the weekend? Are Colorado going to come here and go, gosh darn it, we're going to show this table-topping team. That's my, my best Colorado accent. I thought it was more like, uh, could be like a slacker, high accent. I can't, somebody being high I or can't something. do North American accents. Now, you may say I can't do Jamaican. My Nigerian I never got to air last week. You guys shut me down on that. Yep. That, that was the right decision. Saving that till I speak to Noza. <laughs> he knows that I'm good with that accent. So it's let's funny look. when you say that you sound Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> Too bo- much time with Darren. It borders into Welsh Dame. as well. Yeah. Right, Whitecaps team. You hinted in part one that you think it might be more Minnesota-esque lineup. Yeah, as opposed to Salt Lake or Columbus. Uh, it's not so much a think; it's more a hope, because yeah, because I, to be, I they'll want to win both games, but I, a failure to win Seattle away loses the Cascadia Cup, and that's what right now I think they should uh, right right now what I want to see them do. I, I personally think that if I was, I would put the strong lineups in Colorado and Seattle, and put the B lineup against Sporting, even though we're competing against Sporting, because you can pick out, you can guarantee that three points in those two, and then that that so-called B team um, can go there and earn a draw if they play like like against Orlando. Who thought we didn't? Nobody thought they were going to get anything out against Orlando, so they can you know grind something out against Kansas City on the road, and then they're back to you know back to home. That, that's, that's a good shout too, Steve. But I mean, we talked about possible fatigue from some of the players over the three games. A lot of the guys did play in all three games. And got a tweet here from Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World. He thought Parker struggled in the game on Saturday against Columbus. Some poor clearances and turnovers, and he chalks that up to fatigue. Says, and Zach's just yawning. Yeah, he, just he yawning. also has fatigue. <laughs> there that's was been a long day for Zach. He's there, been up at UBC for... What, All the hours. seven hours so yeah. far. Uh, the the uh, the one pass uh, not under pressure late in the game where where Tim just like hoofed the ball, tried to put it out wide left mm. with no real no pressure on him, and then it went into touch. That was but Timmy was at the WFC two game today with his with, dog. With his dog, adorable. I got a, a picture of the well, the back of both of them. That will <laughs> make it into our, our dogs and football section at some point. Everyone's so, excited about that. Yeah. So, do you see Montero then being rested? Do you see Eric getting a, a start up front? Again, reward I, I, for how he did against Mini. I don't. I. I don't think that'll happen for sure. I would be okay if that happened. No, I got. I got. I got Montero starting the next, first two games and maybe resting the third game. What about Alfonso Davies? Now, 
a lot of people were disappointed in how he played against Columbus. I was one of them. I actually said to Steve, oh, overrated. <laughs> he, I, I don't think he was horrible against Columbus. I thought his decision-making was a little off here and there. Um, but when he kind of played, started playing left-back when they went uh, two, three at the back, because I talked to Robbo afterwards, and he said that Gazal was told to st- hang back in front of Watson and Parker, um, not to move up too forward. So uh, I think uh, when he started playing left-back, actually I thought he played started playing well again. Um, it's just the, uh, the initial time when he first got on was a little off. I think he's just working through stuff. That's just, essentially it's a sixteen-year-old kid. I might butcher butcher this this kind of quote uh, or this kind of thought, but isn't the, isn't the saying something along the lines of "form is temporary, class is permanent," right? And so I think yeah, Alfonso is not in the greatest form uh, playing for Vancouver, especially. I do think he's a bit banged up. Okay, and folk are critical that Robo isn't playing him. And Robo has constantly said, and we're going to have a piece on that this week on AFTN. Trust me, I know what I'm doing with the boy. Yeah, and and the thing is, he, and he's he's mentioned that a number of times where um, he he said that he in training he's seen these guys and he, he can see their energy levels in training, and that's why he picks the starting yeah. lineup the way he does. And and I think the squad selection has to do with the form. I think if his form was better, I think he would be playing a little bit more than he is, whether that's start or earlier subs or whatever. So it's going to be an interesting lineup for sure on Saturday. Some quick predictions. I will kick things off. I'm confident 4-0 Whitecaps. I will say 2-0 Whitecaps. And you're in a bit of a role. You've had quite a, a lot of good results. I was going to say 3-1 to one for... Vancouver. <laughs> oh, was about worried there. Didn't know what was happening. One last question about the lineup: Does David Eisted get the rest? Does Stefan Marinovic get his first home start in goal? In some ways, it was a little surprising. Stefan didn't play maybe against Minnesota or something. I was expecting him to. Yes, but he didn't. Yeah, I, I think he might. I yeah. just think he might get the nod. Might might be this time. Um, but Stefan Marinovic is already one of my, my favourite Whitecaps. Love talking to the guy. I had a, had a good conversation about his time at Unterhacking. It was, yeah. He is the first person to swear in our chocolate digestive section. I have cut it out. I thought the Caps probably wouldn't be happy if I, if I left it in. But if you hear a lot of laughing, that's why. So let's find out. Does Kiwi keeper Stefan Marinovic fancy a chocolate digestive? So you're at home at night, yeah. you're having a hot beverage of choice. Would yeah. you have a tea or a coffee? Tea, 100%. At night time? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to be up till <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning, eyes wide open in bed. I need a, a, a cup of tea with a little bit of milk and uh, we're good. And are you a biscuit person? And if so, what would be your biscuit of choice? Biscuit of choice? <sighs> I'm not really a biscuit person, I'm totally honest. Okay. But uh, if, it, if it would be a biscuit, one of those plain biscuits you can dip. I was going to ask, do you dunk? So there yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. D- dunk. That's great. Thanks so much, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. Right, have a good one. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Hey, it's Marco Bustos. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
It is that time of year again. The playoffs are around the corner and the Whitecaps are in good position. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. That was the stereophonics there, local boy in photographs, one of Carl Robinson's favourite Welsh bands, and he he picked them over the super furry animals when I asked him that uh, a few years back. That still hurts me. He, he kind of went, he went down my estimation the way that Martin Rennie went down when he picked Walker's shortbread instead of Dean's from Huntley. It, it's the little things in life that matter. <laughs> but yeah, Carl Robinson will have been dancing away to the stereophonics as we played that there. And Zach, you had a, a chance to sit down with Robo on Friday. A very, very long chat you had with him. We haven't got it all on tape, but you, you had a, a long chat with him. And you really kind of delved into his psyche a little bit. What makes him tick? What goes behind how he builds a team? How how he, he just puts his team together? How he plays and a lot of stuff like that. Well, there's some questions I've asked him in the past and talked to him in the past. And I feel like in the sometimes the echo chamber that can the social media can be. I've heard some of these similar things discussed yeah. and questioned and, and analyzed and whatever. And I mean, it started off. You wanted you. It all started off with you said, "Hey, if you get a chance, could you ask this this yeah. one question?" Which we haven't got in this bit. Right. We're going to have that later. After. Later. I've right. Kind of done this. In so it all started. Bit, with, yeah. It all started with that, and then I just kind of was like, "Oh, well, let's just keep talking." And let's hear now from Robo. Yo, Carl Robinson, you're back again. If you do this again, pretty soon we'll be friends. You're the newest member of my fully sick faction. Got your rhymes locked, loaded, ready for action. You're the voice. Like you're the you're the person who has to. When things are good, you have to. You you the people come to you. When things are bad, people come to you. Uh, things are obviously better. Uh, maybe the best they've been since, or at least for the last couple of years. How do you stay? How do you stay even keeled? Because I know that's a priority for you. How do you, how do you stay level-headed in the midst of all the, the ups and downs? Well, I think you know me and people who know me well. You know, no, I don't get too caught up when things are going too well and, and don't get too down when things aren't going too well. But how do you specifically do that? Is it what, like what, are there things that you do that you don't do? I, I act the same. I treat everyone else the same. I, I don't. Um, shout from cloud nine you don't you know if, if you get ahead of yourself you get kicked in the teeth I've learned that as a player you know when you win promotion and you think you're, you're the best team and then the first four games of the Premier League you lose comprehensively and then you're the worst team again so you can't get above yourself I don't you know I, I know it's back to work next day your fish and chip paper that day the previous day uh, but you've got to work hard in any job no matter what you do and we're talking about professional football here at Vancouver, is, is you've got to come to work and you've got to work harder every day. The day you, that you are able to, or you think you've done it or arrived and you stand still, it'll be the day you should leave. And I generally use that, that ethos as, as what I believe. And if ever I think that we've cracked it, then I might as well walk away. Is it fair to say, you, you've kind of publicly said a number of times, when things are not going well, talk to me. Yeah. It's my fault. I'll, I'll handle it. When things are going well, uh, I'll make sure that, you know, it was this player who contributed in that way, this group who did this, and all that kind of stuff. Do you do you feel that... So in, in doing that, sometimes you, you have to be repetitive. You have to say, you know, this was this way, or just, you know... 
Do you feel sometimes, I mean, I know you don't read it all, but I'm sure you hear about it. Do you feel like sometimes there's been like unfair criticism for, for that, for like not enough, for too much protecting of the players, too much, not, not, not letting the players publicly own mistakes or poor form or. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm a, I coach a certain way. I coach the way I played. The way I played was I protected all my key guys within my team and young guys. And I would, take the criticism if we played badly I would accept it as, as the captain of the team and responsibility and when we done well I would give them praise because I, I was a player that didn't need to be told how good I was I knew what I was good at and what I wasn't good at and I kept it pretty simple and uh, it's the same as a coach it's I'm willing to take accountability because I'm thick-skinned I've got strong shoulders and I'm able to deal with it and if you're not able to deal with accountability if you work in a football club then again you shouldn't be in it that's the reality of it. I say to my players, if you're not able to deal with pressure on a Saturday and playing in front of 23,000, if you're not playing well, then you shouldn't play because we, we do something we love. I certainly love coaching. The players certainly love play, playing. So that's what you've got, to, you've got to embrace it. And if you're not mentally tough and you can't deal with it, listen, find another job. Yeah. This season, in terms of how we play, in terms of how you have set the players out to play, there's been... I think it would be fair to say that there's been more nuance over the course of the season than other seasons. Not just formations. I know yeah. formations not a big deal for you. It's more about how you're playing and what. But it still feels like there's more been more variation both in formation and in the tactical the tactical approach. I heard you recently talk about I, the identity of the team of being uh, obviously solid defensively. Yeah. Uh, being willing kind of to absorb pressure yep. and be okay with not having a lot of possession, yep. but countering well yep. and also being varied yep. in the ways that the, the ways that the players attack. Yep. Is that correct? You want to expand on that? Is it, how do you feel this season about how because formations and the yep. and the different approaches that there've been? Yeah, it's nothing. That's a fair assessment. I watch games. I watch between five and ten games live every week of football and. You know, when you when you watch as much football as I do, then you learn from it. And you know, I watched Man United last year in the Europa League final against Ajax, who played brilliantly. Uh, Man United had 30 odd percent possession and won won the trophy and won two nil the game. People get caught up in statistics. Whether you have more shots in the opposition, whether you have more possession, whether you have more crosses and, and things like that, the game's about winning. You've got to find ways to win. Uh, irrelevant, but you've also got to find ways of winning with your players. Uh, I use the example of Toronto with Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley's arguably the best midfield player in the league because, one, he's paid the most money, and two, because he is the best player. And they're a possession-orientated team because he is that good. So he's able to, they're able to play to their strengths and be a possession team because they've got the, the best midfield player in the league. We've got really good midfield players that are good at certain aspects of the game. And what we try and do is find an identity to match my player's strengths. You know, every player's got weaknesses, and if you expose their weaknesses uh, in a game scenario, then they're not going to, one, be, remain confident, be confident, and two, probably turn in the performances you want to try and win games of football in, in, in MLS. So I try to limit that. You know, do I want the ball? Yes, we have 40%, 50%, whatever percent possession. It doesn't matter. It's about what you do in both boxes. You know, we had a lot of possession last year and we were unable to find a, a goal scorer. You know, we've got a goal scorer in Freddie Montero this year, and but we've also got transitional players. We've got more pace in the team. We've added more strength in the team. We've added more defensive cover in the team and, and we're keeping out goals and football's pretty simple. Keep the ball out of your net and score more goals than the opposition and 
irrelevant what happens in between. You know, we all want to play like Barcelona. Unfortunately, Barcelona only play like Barcelona. Transitional is, I think, the key word that, in describing things this year. Do you think that's a, a transitional team? Is that one of the key words for you? It is. Uh, but to, to be a transitional team, you've got to have transitional players. And last year, I think something we, did, we lacked was transitional players. And transitions in modern-day football, you know, counter-attacks is, a, is another word you use for it, is, is a massive thing. You know, we're talking now in, in football in Europe of countering the counter. You know, so they're going way and above steps that, you know, lots of, I say, uh, general people will probably not understand. And it's it, it's how you implement that in your playing style, in your training sessions, in your in your way you play on a Saturday. And it takes time. You said you can't build your team overnight. You can't restructure your team overnight. You've got to do it bit by bit. And in the four-year period I've been here, I think we've managed to strengthen the team. We've we've made some key decisions at key times and really uncomfortable decisions because you know when you have fan favourites here you've got to sometimes move them on for certain reasons when you have key young players you've got to move them on at certain times because you don't want to block pathways and everything's done because we're in a cap orientated league but nothing's ever personal you know that's the way I say to the players and decisions are made for the for the sake of the group and the team trying to win games of football so yeah transitions are key in, in modern day football so the, yeah you can only play with the players you have uh, I've well, I once heard it said by Ziggy Schmidt that MLS is really like uh, every year is a, is, a, is a roster building. You're going to have 10 yeah. players out of your yeah. 30-ish that are coming and going, yeah. maybe more. You, so this is what, year four? Yeah. Year four. So um, it feels like there's been a pr- progression. Like it, I think yeah. people would, would say the strength and depth of the squad has yeah. progressed and is probably the deepest it's ever been. Yeah. It's probably the same, similar throughout the league because of yep. because of salary budget of and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, are you uh, and you obviously uh, famously kind of said in the in the, pre, in the in the preseason, you know, sometimes when it comes to doing things with bringing players in, parameters are there. Sometimes they change, and that's part of life. How do you feel about? Like, do you feel that your approach this season? throughout the year and being able to vary it and change it is because you've been able to have bring in so many div- like more diverse players than say previous years like different type of dynamic players and yeah we, and we, like. we've certainly got um, a different group of players based on characteristics of certain types of players you look at the number 10 scenario we've got obviously Nico Mosquito we've got Jordi Reyna we've got Christian Bolaños who's played in there we've got Alfonso Davis that I've played in there at certain times they've all got different characteristics and when you're building a roster it's important you don't have two of the same player in the same positions because if you do then you're making a change one due to injury suspension or loss of form and and you're not able to adjust whether it's in game or, or against different opposition so you know, what I've managed to do over a period of time is, is bring in different characteristics of different players in different areas. And that's the only way you're going to be able to find solutions to problems. Football's about problems and other teams which play you on a weekend try and give you problems. And you have to find ways of winning. Um, you know, do you look at the, the players all over the league? You look at the new franchises coming in. You know, the, the Atlanta United are a perfect example. You know, they, they're a great possession orientated team they were a great transition team you know but they spent a lot of money on their team so you know you've got to give them credit for that and they've done it and um, they're getting rewards you know the game against New England I think is a perfect example of of what they can do and they could do that to any team in the league I know teams might disagree and referees had a say in the game and things like that but 
you pay for what you get. So, you know, the way we work here, the way I work here, I'm really happy with the group of players I have. Uh, and I work with what I got, and I try and get the best out of my players, and you know I push them to the limit. That's one thing I'll say about this group is is mentally they're able to deal with it in training because if you if you push them to the limits, the day that they join the club to the day they leave the club, all they can say is that you made them a better player and also a better person. So, you obviously the amount you can invest in your squad in terms of salary and transfer fees and all that kind of stuff. Uh, shapes or directs or usually results in how well you're going to do. So is is part of what you're saying or that like one of the things that happens in Vancouver is we can't spend as much as other people but when you look we're getting maybe more out of what we have than other people have. We spend money here in Vancouver. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But on the squad specifically. Yeah, no. Listen, we we, we we spend every penny that we have, and we I try and I try. You're and, saying there's no more pennies. I try and make. Um, if I've got a million dollars to spend on a player, I'll spend a million dollars because a million dollar player is probably better than a five hundred thousand dollar player. That's that's just generally not not just here in Vancouver. That's generally in football. You know, if you spend ten million, you're more likely to find a. Uh, a centre forward that scores more goals than a one million dollar player. That, that's reality of football. That's why transfer fees are going through this, the the roof at the moment in world football. So, you know, we work with what we've got. Uh, I like going out to find little gems. I say this all the time, and unfortunately, little gems are in different countries: Uruguay and Peru and Costa Rica and Nigeria and and, and places like that. We have to go and find. Uh, players, because there's thousands and thousands of players out there, all looking for clubs, but they've all got to be uh, able to play. Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. The reality is when you're working in a certain uh, type of market with certain types of players, it's a probably 50-50 about whether you get it right. Uh, and you've got to be honest with that. It's it's a chance every time you sign a player. It's a, it's a chance. It'll work or it do- doesn't work. So we have a good recruitment structure here in place. Uh, I'm very confident with the way we analyse players. And, um, you know, when we watch players, we get we get a good idea of, based upon what I want and what I'm looking for in players, of what fits the team based upon what, what we're about. And... You know we're very good at that, um, but we must continue to be good at that as as the league evolves and as more TAM money comes in and as more allocation more money comes in because the players in the league are getting better and better and, and you've got to try and keep up with the Joneses. So it's good to hear that you're spending every penny that you have to spend. That's inc- I think from a supporter fan perspective, I think that's good. That's good. That's good to hear. I think people will want to know that 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 whatever budgets are being set or you know we're using as much as we can. Um, it, so seven matches left. Yeah, things are... At the beginning of the year, I think, whether it was explicit or implicit, the understanding was we want to be in and around, the, in and around qualifying for the playoffs and in good form to make, a, to make the best possible run at winning what most people view as the ultimate prize, MLS, MLS Cup. Seven matches left. Lots can still happen. Yeah. Um, poor form could happen. Yeah. Great form could happen. How are you feeling about these final seven games and the possibility of living out what you have been planning for all year? I think every team, every manager, every club will be at the start of the season. They set the targets, and the targets are obviously to try and win MLS Cup. The targets are to get in the playoffs. The teams that are in the playoffs or, or, or are at the top of the table will will 
it's easy for them to say that's what we set out to do. Every team sets out to do that. Unfortunately, you know, only six teams can make it and five or six teams miss out in each conference. And then for whatever reason, whether it's whether it's um, uh, to do with they've had a number of injuries, whether it's a loss of form, whether it's a, a coaching change, whether it's the players haven't gelled, whether it's a bad season. So, you know, all, all I know with us is... Uh, you know, at the start of the year, we set out some targets. A big target of ours was trying to qualify for the Champions League, trying to go as far as we could. We got through that. It was an unbelievable effort against New York Red Bulls. We played an unbelievable game against Tigres, and you know, we were beaten by better players, better quality, uh, all round. And we have to hold our hand up. But what an experience to play in a game like that! You know, some of these players that will be the biggest game they ever play in. So. Uh, we accepted that. We got as far as we could in that, and we come up just a little bit short. And, it, and you know, our target has got to be: we got to try and get there again. If we can, we might not. We might, um, but that's a huge goal of ours: was to try and get where we got. In the early part of the season, the four games after Champions League games, prior to Champions League games, you know, I rotated my squad because the full focus went into the Champions League because that was a, a club initiative it was a manager's initiative and that's what I wanted to have a go at we dropped probably a few too many points that we needed to uh, but we had to accept that based upon the squad we had and the injuries we had we pick up key injuries at wrong times and things like that so uh, I accepted that and I took accountability for that, which is what I always do. Uh, as the season's evolved, we've managed to get fitter, we've managed to get stronger, we've managed to get healthier uh, and we've managed to hit a little bit of form and uh, and we've won a lot of games uh, based upon the, the players leaving everything that they have out on the field. And, you know, one thing I'll say about my group is they always give me absolutely everything they have. You know, and if we come up a little bit short, it'll be based upon we're beaten by better quality. And you have to hold your hands up sometimes. You know, Man United play against Bournemouth. If Man United perform to their levels and Bournemouth perform to their levels, Man United are going to win. And you have to be open and honest with that. You know, we're performing to the levels and the, Mac, the boys deserve a lot of credit for that because they're, they're playing at their maximums. And, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But if we continue to do that between now and the end of the season and win as many games as we can, who knows where we'll end up. Cool. Carl, thanks for your time. Pleasure. The gaffer there. I hope you enjoyed that as much uh, as we did. I th- it was a very good insight. I, I, I love the thought. song. Yeah. <laughs> as you can tell by my stuttering, it was very casual and just... That's how we do things. It was, it, it, I, yeah. I mean, the questions... That's that, what we're known for. Wait till you hear my Ray Winston the, interview. Yeah. The questions were not written down. They were just like, came out of what he was saying. And yeah. That's, that's what I find the best way to interview. Like, genuinely, it's like, it comes from the heart and... Yeah. Anything... Stand out in particular from what he said to you, Zach? Uh, two things. One is what he talked about accountability and being a part of a football club. I found that very interesting. For, I thought you might. For a number of reasons. Uh, number two, the fact that um, he expressed that he feels like he is spending all the money he's being given. Every penny. Every penny. You, you kept pushing him. Yeah. 
he, he expressed like he's I'm spending all the money. Asking for a balance sheet. Oh, all, all the money he's been given to spend on the squad, he's they're spending. So. He had to express it because you kept asking about yes. it. <laughs> it was. I, I did like how you followed up. I, I thought no, it was no, you good. have to because well, otherwise you well, get the well, same well, answer. Well, exactly because yeah. part of even you know that early question about like how do you stay you know how do you stay balanced or whatever. The answer he gave is a good answer. It's a true answer, but we've heard him say that before. So I just want to be like, hey, what do you, like? What does that really look like in your life? And yeah, try and follow it yeah. up a little bit. So let us know what you thought of that. Whether you're listening to this show live on CITR Radio or whether you're listening to the podcast during the week, tweet us your thoughts, and we'll we'll cover some of that in next Sunday's show. Now, of course, he, he finished there. Says, who who knows where they'll end up? I think on a bus. With the MLS Cup, <laughs> Carol Valentine yelling, "You are the number one fans. We are the number one team." It's just, it's made for that. Ever since we had Anna in the podcast, you've turned around completely. She rubbed off on me. Okay, is the squad good enough, Michael? I think. I think they can yes. have a. They, they, they show this. I think this might be the first time I can recall in uh, the MLS era. Where I, yes, this is the first time I feel that we have a good enough squad because we have depth yeah. at basically every position, too deep at least. And the thing is, is they they, they look at, look at the run they're on now, right? Say they slow down a little bit in the lead up to the playoffs, or they make the playoffs. If they go on that same run again that they're on right now, they will have a have a decent chance. They, they find it's a all way about, to yeah. win on the road, yeah, and that. But they've there's been other years where they've had, uh, in especially in MLS circles, a. A good road record, a good away yeah. record. But this is better. The, yeah. They haven't had anything like this in other seasons. And there's no denying that a lot of the Whitecaps' upturn in fortune since July has been since Jordi Reyna recovered from his his horrendous injury put upon him. Diagnosed on the spot live yes. by Zach Metatarsal. <laughs> yes. Well, what's that thing we were on? Uh, Mixler. Mixler, right? We need to do another one of those. We that haven't was, done one of those for a was, while. Those I've paid fun. a lot of money for that. We've done two shows in it. <laughs> Maybe the playoffs. Wait, what, yeah. is, what is a lot of money? <laughs> a lot of money to me. Okay. D- double digits. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 99 bucks for the year. That's a lot of money. Sorry, I shouldn't. <laughs> I like a 99, as anyone listening to our ice cream segment knows, which I had to cut from this week. No one's going to get to hear Tim Parker's ice cream of choice until next time. But back to Jordi Reina. That's what everyone wants to talk about. Reina's been great. And a question which Steve came up with, I think, a couple of games ago. Minnesota game, I think. Maybe. Yeah, was everyone's talking about where would the Caps be if they had Jordi Reina for the whole year? But as Steve pointed out very astutely, where would Jordi Reina be if he'd played a whole season? Well, that was something that we put to Robbo, and we'll hear what he says, and then we'll have a little chat about that. Um, so people are saying, uh, where would the team be if we'd had Reyna all year, all season? But where would Reyna be if we had, if he'd played all year? <laughs> He's been kicked lots, right? Is it better to have him rested and effective now than tired after a hard season of being kicked up the backside all, all year long? It's a really good question. I would like to have had him all season because I think you've seen in the short period of time he's been available how effective he's been with assisting, with crew scoring goals, but also our general play. You know, we, we look a more dynamic team and a, a more creative team with him in the team. So I think it's important that uh, he would get he gets the protection he deserves uh, as all the other top 
level key small players get in the league. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to have it in most of the season because maybe we might have been in a little bit better position than what we're in at the moment. The last uh, two home games, uh, would, would it be unfair to say that you felt like he hasn't been as protected as some of those creative players in the league or yeah, threats in the league have been? Yeah, it's finding the balance because I believe football is a physical game, physical sport, and you can't take the art of tackling at the game. And sometimes there's decisions that go against you, or you know, involved in the game that you don't agree with, and that happens. But you know, if if there's a certain rule um, to protect the key players, then yes, I feel he should get more protection because he's small, he's he, his use of his body is excellent, and it doesn't matter whether it's him or Javinko or. You know, Piatti, these these types of players, Maro Diaz, they need to be protected, uh, irrelevant of what team they play for. That first part of your answer sounded like the tough tackling center midfielder for for Wales, <laughs> um, and the second <laughs> half sounded like the coach of a great, yeah. a great player. So, Robert, there answering that question. So, what's your thoughts on that? If we had had Reina fit, not injured by Ridgewell pre-season, brutally injured by that thug. <laughs> Where would Reina be now? Would he be beat up? Would he be a Pedro? Would he have been tr- having trouble breaking down at this point in the season and not being the talisman that we now have? No, that's the reason I, I was wondering. the Because I, I thought to myself, like, where would we be if he had been here all year? Then I was thinking, because he, he just got knocked down by a defender or a midfielder. I go, geez, he's, he's, getting, up again. Yeah, he's getting knocked down around, knocked all over the place. Where would he be? Like, would he be worn down by now if he'd played the whole year? So I, I think it's hard for me to say. I think he, I think he would have been. I don't think he was would be as effective right now. But maybe he would have got more points in the earlier the year. I think there's lots of different. This obviously uh, a hypothetical yeah. question, or whatever. Yeah. Lots of ways you could come at, at it. But I, one of the things I think about is at the time he kind of came in late in the preseason, and like even in the the Portland game, like if I remember, like he wasn't playing full games. Like he was being subbed on or he started yeah, he and always, got taken off yeah. early. So like, so he didn't have his metatarsal in shape. No, 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 not that. Okay. But like, he wasn't in. So he definitely in the, came on as sub, and he might have been pulled off once in Portland. Right. So he he wasn't in the same form that everyone else was, and I know they would have probably tried to ease him in in terms of how how much he played, like in the Champions League and all that kind of stuff. But I I would have that, that you never know if you if that would have that would have given him a slow start. Yeah. And that would have been affected his morale and his confidence, and that would have affected his play or not. I'm not saying it would have, or, or you know, but that's one of the things when you because it's easy to well, say you, you just you don't know. Yeah, we, we can only speculate, but I I would honestly rather have him now doing what he's doing, had a slowish start or inconsistent start, and just be the team that we are now. Reina and Montero, their partnership that they've got together, their understanding. He's brought out the best of Montero. Montero's hit his best form of the season since Jordy's in the team. And, and and it also fits with the this bigger perspective of it doesn't matter so much how you do at the beginning of the year. It yep. matters that you're in a in a cup spot and you're in good form. Exactly. And so far, I know there's still six games. So far, that's where they're at. So it 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 feels it feels right. So stop asking the question where would they be? Just be happy with what we have. Now, music can only mean one thing. It's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. Brought to you by our partners, bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, 
national and international news and links. So, Steve, what did you find on BC Soccer Web this past week? A lot of very good articles. Obviously, they were reviewing, um, you know, you get your typical articles about, you know, what's going on in the soccer world on the pitch and everything. But we try to look like stuff off the pitch. Um, oh, one article, um, Alexi Lawless had a little bit of a go at U.S. Uh, national team members. Just a little bit. So, the Guardian actually talked to some of the players. And one of the, the, the headline was, the lion doesn't care about the sheep. And I think that was... Um, from um, Michael Bradley, he actually said that. So, uh, so I think he played. It, I think he tried to play it down a little bit after. But, but then he, yeah, but he used that comment, which he's describing. <laughs> who he's describing? Um, another article: uh, French city to send misspelled Montpellier jerseys to Vermont. Um, uh, Montpellier, uh, Montpellier, Montpellier. Sorry, um, they mispronounced as well as misspelled. Yes, um, uh, they they had their jerseys um, uh, misspelled. The names of the of the city. So they what they did was they said uh, to a city in Vermont who have that same uh, jersey. And, and the, the spelling is correct for them. Essentially, it's two L's instead of one. That was like that time the Sounders got all their strips that just said Wankers FC on it. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the, the, what they're Vermont's planning to do is uh, play uh, have high school pl- uh, teams wear it for a couple of games, auction it off, and then donate the money to charity. Nice, it's a nice story there. Um, from the Hamilton Spectator, Canadian Premier League working quietly out of Toronto office. So yeah. there's people actually working now on this yeah. thing. And there's ten? A, ten people. No, there. no, there's three. And there's, I thought there's three currently. And then there. I saw a tweet. This, I didn't read oh. it. No, there's, about, tweet there's about ten in the ten. office. There's oh, about ten, ten, in the yeah. office. ten in the office. They're working at different levels. Uh, they're planning on opening up a Hamilton office as well. So and, well, well, I'm assuming they'll open up a, something ha- in the West as well. I'm hoping ha- they will. Hamilton yeah. said at the, from the outset there's going to be a league office here. But they also said that they could play in their stadium, yes, that's which true. is a that bit still of hasn't a been sorted out bit yet. of a frustrating thing. Yes, uh, like much of this league, it's all up in the air right now. No, it's not up in the air. I know. It's I'm poking, poking your thing. His stomach. Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's go with that. Well, they had me- they had meetings this week. I heard somewhere. Oh, I'm sure they're having meetings every day. If you think of it. Um, Andre Villiers uh, investigated after accusing Evergrande of car crashes. Hmm. Now, this is I saw this headline. I go, what's going on here? Basically, the former Tottenham uh, coach uh, is coaching in China. They're in the Asia Champions League. He's basically accusing um, a team that they're basically he's accusing the refs of doing like. Giving yellow cards when they should be should be given and all that stuff, and then in part of it he mentioned that he thinks the opposing team is uh, arranging car crashes in front of their bus route to slow them down to the stadium, <laughs> which was like that wild. is the ultimate conspiracy theory. Yeah. We have talked about having a conspiracy theory section on yeah. the show. Wow. Yeah, he 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 went. We all, just get him on every week. He, he went all out on that one. That was a crazy article. He said David Ike of football. Another article from the Guardian. Um, uh, Infantino, the FIFA president. Um, yes. He's been accused of interfering with governance. And a lovely picture in the article. With Putin in the background. Yes. <laughs> um, he basically, uh, the, I think the, the, the disciplinary committee or the ethics committee wanted to ban a Russian delegate. And he's kind of standing in the way. So they're, they're investigating him now. So it's, it's kind of a getting a, already a little uh, strange. But at least the, the, the committee is working. You know, people are getting investigated instead of it just people being able to do whatever they want. Hmm. The anti-Beckhams. Another article, oh, yeah. the UK footballers choosing to start their careers in the US. It's about uh, players leaving the academy, coming to the US, but either playing college or playing 
uh, lower professional teams and moving yeah, up that way. There's definitely been more and more guys from the UK coming over on scholarships to, to NCAA. And the amount of players that make it through the academy system in the UK, it's crazy. It's just that single, really low single digit. Most of them never make it to the top flight. A lot of them end up just getting farmed out to, to lower league teams. Most of them end up in non-league or just out of the game altogether. So in a lot of ways, it does make sense that they come over here. But then they're coming over here. They're taking our jobs. They're basically taking the jobs of American and Canadian players. And we don't get to send our guys, because I put my Canadian hat on, we don't get to send our guys over there without a lot of hassle. If they don't have a European passport, they can't get a work permit. Thanks for that um, pause where you pretended to put a hat on. I, I'd like to love what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I, I mean, it makes sense. If you're, sorry, if you're one of these English guys, it makes sense. You might not be able to pay. Most of them's not got much of an education. And because when you talk to UK footballers, a lot of them, they're not the brightest. It's a pleasure to talk to, to footballers over here. I might just be basing that about East Five players. I don't know. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you yeah. if you if you recognize you're not going to be able to play at a high level in your home country, and you have an opportunity to get a scholarship, for example, yeah. a free education yeah. and play football, exactly. that might lead to you be able to play football and you have an education. It, it's no brainer on, on that side of things. It's, that's still a disappointing thing for me. I raised it a couple of seasons ago when there was the executive round table here yep. that shouldn't the White Caps work with UBC to get their players an education at UBC in conjunction with playing for WFC2? I was told it's something they were looking at. Not heard a dicky bird about that since. Well, it, it, it was difficult back then because of the fact that they, um, the teams were based in Burnaby and everything. I'm sure now that they have the uh, development center that they can maybe work that out now. We'll see. Yeah. I think we will see in that. Um, (laughs) An article from the Washington Post. uh, It's time for a change. Boston attorney will challenge Sunil Galati for the U.S. soccer presidency. Now, Galati has uh, ran three times unopposed. And so this time, this uh, gentleman, Steve Gans, uh, looks like he will be opposing him. Um, he announced it in Dallas during a youth conference. And it uh, looks like he will be opposing Galati and will, will get an election for the first time. Yeah, Galati's too close to MLS, and that's not uh, healthy, I don't think. So it'll be nice to see someone challenge him, maybe someone with new ideas. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, even if the guy doesn't win, which, to be honest, it's the chance of him winning is so slim, really the way that things are in American soccer. Have, wait, has anyone said about an election in the United States before? Uh, I don't know. I, I think, I don't think Hillary Clinton could beat Galati, but I, I'm, I'm, I can be proved wrong. I, I look forward to her next book explaining why she lost. Next article from the 442. The, the 442, I like yeah. that. MLS homegrown arms race is reaching ludicrous levels. Essentially, this is based around... Um, they send an octopus? No. <laughs> it, it's based around Sporting Kansas City. They signed, uh, I think it was a 15-year-old uh, from North Carolina. And they're talking about areas that you can cover and everything like that. They basically, uh, they they brought him in for a year, uh, made sure that he was like uh, with them or whatever. And basically, pay, like essentially, it's kind of a... People are talking about them going out of the areas, like the teams like Sporting... 
um, and all the smaller that don't have the talent level to compete with like teams like Dallas and New York and LA, where there's a lot more players. So it's kind of there. People are talking about uh, how what lengths people are going to in order to get these players to come in to their cities in order to so they can get, have homegrown players and, yeah, and I, develop. I, I would I would guess that Kansas City is doing everything within the guidelines, or, yes. or there are, or there aren't guidelines, and they're taking advantage of that. It's I think w- that, I think it will be like the, how the Whitecaps can have all these academies all over Canada. Right. It's going to be similar, but that's because the CSA said it's by. It's by population, yeah. and yeah. so they and the white caps have done excellent at taking advantage of that, well, in my opinion. Yeah, but that that will all change soon. It's going to be interesting. We we'll see what happens with that. Again, we will see. We will see. But yeah, but no. So it's, if if there's no rules that you can you have to stay within your state or you have to stay within you know this population area, then who, who you know you can't blame them. No, you can't have a free for all, or can you? I mean, you do have a free for all in the UK, but it's the big clubs that went out. And that's the problem. So many kids in the UK, oh, I want to be at Liverpool, I want to be at Man United, I want to be at Chelsea or Arsenal. And they go there and they're never going to break through, most of them. No one they, wants to play for Scunthorpe. No, but that's that's where they could break through probably and get a chance. It's just Up, up the irons. Yep. Well, there was one player that we'll talk about later that did choose um, uh, a lower team instead of one of the big teams. But we'll talk about him later. Last article, the 11.ca um, what a CPL will mean for us, Canadian players speak out. Steven Sandor actually talked to a number of players. Yeah, excellent uh, article. And and asked them like what the you know what what what's going to come. David Monsalve was part of it. Um, Elijah Adekube, brother of Sam, was part of it. Another uh, a number of other keepers. They, they basically just sounded off about what how it's going to make a difference for them in developing, not only developing but keep progressing and building the the sport in Canada. And undoubtedly, well, it's going to present opportunities. It's going to be another pathway. It's going to be another bridge, if you want, between youth football and, Zach will disagree with me here, but MLS. Because MLS, to me, will still always be bigger for the foreseeable future than the Canadian Premier League. It has to be. There's more money in America. Yeah. Give it time. Yeah. That's why I said the immediate future. Yeah, but I don't don't think the CPL... Well, I guess there's different ways to look at it. You can look at it from the CPL's perspective or you can look at it from the player's perspective. And I think, Michael, you're describing the player's perspective on that. Um, yeah, I, 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 this is what they're talking about is what the league is supposed to be about. Yeah. It's supposed to be a place for Canadians to play professionally, develop and grow. And the heart behind it, of course, the CSA is involved, is to help Canada improve, to help Canada qualify for a World Cup to help Canada, if they ho- co-host a World Cup, to do when? it when? When? They co-host when they um, Take that, Morocco. <laughs> um, th- when they do co-host a World Cup, to be able to perform their best. And yeah. So uh, I'm excited for, I don't know how many, the, like, we, we've talked about this before, right? You know, what, what happened in Vancouver re- with residency players pre-WFC2. Yeah. Yeah. And how there were not opportunities for them, and so exactly, and then, and then this allows people like like if you're not like some some players will develop late, and then this way you don't have to give up on those players, exactly. and be a, there won't be yeah. a lost generation of players where you're we're wondering, oh look at that guy, oh that guy was so good, why was it, what happened to him, where did he go? Because yeah. um, you just your... have to look at the VMSL and you see a string of ex Whitecaps yeah. and guys that went away to college and they've come back. Some of it is because they've chosen to have careers yeah. and not 
not concentrate full time on football. But yep, there's a, definitely a lost generation out there. Like, this I, will I, stop there being. I, I'll use an example. Like I, I know that maybe he will, like maybe he might not have developed, but a guy like uh, Yasin Essa. Yeah. Back in the day, he was dynamic as a, with as Pegasus a, now. A, under 18s, but he wasn't. He wasn't a player who was going to go to college. He no. had no interest in that. Uh, he wanted to go. He obviously wanted to go pro, but the Whitecaps had nothing at the second level, and there was he couldn't really latch onto any other team because because obviously USL and NASL at that time they had quota things for Canadian players as well. So they, uh, I'm, I'm sure USL did. I'm not sure about NASL, but there was those court issues, and they couldn't. He couldn't get latch onto anybody. But he's now the reigning VMSL Imperial Cup champion. So is yeah. it all bad? No, maybe not. No, you're right. Here's an example. Uh, kind of off the wall question for you: Who is your favorite late blooming footballer? Jamie Vardy. I thought one of you went to that. What were you, Steve? I can't think of one right now. For me, it's Luca Toni. Or me, if I have a breakout <laughs> game in the media match on Thursday. <laughs> oh, man. I might dazzle Carl with my skills. Do you say breakout or broken bone? It, it could go either way. It depends if the rain eases up. But, I mean, I, I watched the celebrities take the, the pitch on Saturday. And I thought, I, I could do what some of them are doing. Yeah. It's too, I, it's, I could be in Once Upon a Time. It's too bad Davide is leaving town on, like, Tuesday. Otherwise, maybe he could, could have been setting you up on Thursday. Yeah. Is he leaving on Tuesday that early? I was hoping to possibly see him at training on no, Tuesday. No, I think, I think he's leaving on Tuesday. Ah, I think so. Disappointing. But yeah, Davide was another guy that took part in that media game. It was won by the Whites. They beat the Blues. Coach of the White team was English acting legend Ray Winston. As we talked about at the, the top of the show, one of my favourite all-time actors. It was a privilege for me to get a chance to speak to, to Ray after he coached his team to success. So let's hear a little bit now. From the governor, Ray Winston. So Ray, how how was that for you? You got a new career in coaching ahead? I doubt that very much. I think the day was a really fabulous thing, you know, I mean to support the uh, the BC Children's Hospital is uh, the main important thing, you know. And then to see everyone come here and enjoy themselves and the amount of support you got from the players and the uh, and the people watching. So um, that kind of lifts you up a little bit, doesn't it? It makes them feel better. Football's kind of irrelevant in a way. Yeah. Are your playing days over then? And they are at the moment. I can, you know, I've had this trouble with the knee where it keeps trying to pop out. You know, right. I think that's what comes with being 60. I think that kind of, you know, probably be... Been knocking myself about a bit too much, you know. Yeah, possibly. I, see, I still remember you from Scum. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's like one of You've my favourite all-time films. Oh, I love that film. <laughs> yeah. So I still think you yeah, as being young. Yeah. Um, when you look back at your career, yeah. I I always thought you were in a lot more football films, but you went. I know you were in like Jimmy Grimble. Oh, that was about the only one with Bobby. Yeah. Enough, with Bobby Carlow, um, and we've been pretty great mates ever since. I think you know. So I think that's the only football film I've ever done. Yeah. I can't think of another one. Are you surprised at that? I would have no, thought you'd been really. in a few. Or... No, not really. Um, I mean, most of them about football hooligans and that kind of yeah, stuff anyway, true. you know. And there's been a couple of, <laughs> couple of them have been pretty decent films. Um, the one that Alan Clark made, you know, uh, who actually made the original Scum. The so, Firm? Yeah, The Firm yeah, with Gary Oldman. Of, you know, yeah, that was a, a good film, but 
Gary nicked my part there, so... Oh, did he? Yeah, the bastard, so... Phil Davis was in it, who yeah. great old mates. We all started together, you know, so... Yeah. And we all kind of came right through the ranks together, so... No, but I haven't, no. A boxing films, I've done a couple of boxing films, which is kind of more, in a way, what, what my sport is and what my background is, really, you know? I know you're a West Ham fan, yeah. like myself. Yeah. What, do you get along to the games much anymore? Uh, the last couple of years has been difficult because I've been filming here yeah. in Vancouver four months last year and uh, two months this year. So, uh, and it, you know, it's, it's usually the start of the new season, so I usually miss that. I'll, I'm going back home in a week or so, and I'll probably go to a couple of games before I go off to Cape Town to finish this job. And then after Christmas again, you know, I'll probably be going. Yeah. I've not been to the new stadium yet. Yeah. Have you been to it? And yeah, I've, I've what, been. What do you think of it? I'm, I miss Upton Park. Listen, because of course we miss Upton Park. It's my it's my history, you know, of going there as a young boy, uh, and my life. That's where I'm from. That's the area of London I'm from. So, yes, I do. But uh, I think you know, with the way the Premiership's gone, and if you want to compete in the Premiership, you you needed to move on. You know, we needed to be in a, a stadium that would attract probably good players, hopefully good players, and. And we've got a bigger capacity for fans. I mean, our fans, really, you could have filled up some part two or three times, to be honest yeah. with you, you know. So the club has to evolve. And, you know, I heard all this about, you know, the, the atmosphere at the stadium. It's, it's complete rubbish. If the team plays well, the atmosphere will... And it has, I've seen it there. When we've had a good night, the atmosphere is fantastic, you know. So... I think it's fantastic to be there. I, I really do. And I, hope to get I have to forget about Upton Park now. Not, you know, it's part of my life. But, you know, we, we've moved on. And maybe we'll make this the new Upton Park, you know. What's your thoughts on the team this year? Because they got a draw today. It was one of the most boring games, I think, you'll yeah. probably see all season. Listen, but... I've got, I got to tell you, when that, when that comes up every year, West, West Ham, West Brom, I've been watching it for many, many years. 99 times out of 100 is the most boring game you'll ever see. It's just they cancel one another out. And to be honest with you, um, away from home at West Brom to get a point, I'm happy with that. The team, I like the team. Um, The team, the way it played last week at home, when the place was alive and it was buzzing and bouncing, you know. um, We played fantastic because the team went out there, closed down, they run their hearts out, you know. And when that team does that, they're, they can beat anyone, you know. They've just got to do it week in, week out, you know. Um, manager-wise, Billage, I love him. I like Billage. I've got a lot of time for the man, and I've got a lot of time for the job he's doing now, you know. And just very last thing, do you get a chance to get out and see the White Caps, or is, is it not really... No, I was supposed to come last weekend, but, you know, schedules change and all that kind of stuff, so I didn't. Um, I'll be watching them on the telly, you know. Last year I watched them and they were a bit disappointing last year. You know, I watched the semi-finals with, with Toronto involved and Seattle and all that and watched the final. The uh, final was blinding game, you know, yeah. very exciting stuff, you know, and the semi-finals were as well. So, yeah, um, you know, first you start watching today, oh, God, I'm going to watch Canadian football now, really, you know. But actually, you know, over the years of watching it, because I was here first in 1979, you know, when, before it even kind of took off football, you know. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised, you know, the standard. It's got a long way to go, but, but so West Ham. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, so, but uh, I've got to tell you, the, the way the games went last year, they were very, very exciting, you know. Okay, thanks so much for your time today, Ray. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you.
Cockney Rejects there with I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles, which was going to be in this week's wavelength, but I went for a different one instead. But it was a pleasure speaking to Ray Winston. I could have talked to him for hours. I don't think he would have liked me to. But yeah, great guy. Good interview. At least he hung around for the interview. Yes. <gasps> yeah, it's time for the Flash Five. Oh, we count flash down, time. We count down five. Um, so th- this week, because it's alumni... Uh, because Kukuda Mane made his homecoming return, decided to make it uh, top five former Whitecaps still playing in MLS. So uh, I'm not going to give any sh- uh, honorable mentions because that kind of ruins who's in the top five. So number five for me. So we're going to do honorable mentions at the end. Yeah, we'll do honorable okay. mentions. Throw, throw some names in there. Um, number five for me, Darren Maddox. Still, uh, it's not shown what he sh- what proved to be why he was drafted so high uh, way back when. Um, but still a decent player. He has contributed for Portland, and uh, he shows moments. He scored against the Whitecaps yeah. and celebrated, Ooh. but it was uh, it, uh, for him it was a home game in Yeah, Portland. so that's all right. Um, number four, a guy who a lot of people were missing last year, Stephen Betashore. Mm, um, interesting one. Uh, he's, he's really fit in with TFC right now, obviously yeah. with the best team in the league. And uh, thriving in that environment. Last year, last year he was like I said, he was definitely missed here in Vancouver. A lot of people were asking where, why is he here? Why, why did they get rid of him this year? Not as much because we got some backup. Well, they got rid of him because of money. Essentially, they didn't want to pay a right back as much as that because they had other positions they were going to pay higher. Definitely not the best Iranian in Vancouver. Oh. That is Anna Namshirin. Oh, of course. Number I, th- th- I thought you were going to say Pej, but okay. Number three, Zach's brother from another mother. Wait, he's not number one? No. Gershon Kofi. He's in the top five? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Gershon Kofi, um, I think officially he's with the Swedish club, but he's been loaned back. Yeah. So he is officially playing or in a MLS. technicality. He or... gets number three, yeah, MLS. He uh, did not have a great week. <laughs> number two from last night, Kakuta Mane. Um. Obviously, nobody really going into the season expected him to be traded, um, but he was, and uh, he didn't have a great start to Columbus, but he's kind of, seems like, maybe it was just one game where he was excited to play against Vancouver, but we'll see exactly where that goes. I am curious who your number one is. Like seriously curious, I, now, I can't think. I've decided, that, I decided when I made I up the I list know. that anybody who was with the Whitecaps, whether they played a game or not. Oh, so no. number well, one. No, well, right, before you give us number one, yeah. let's give us the honourable mentions oh, then. Okay, honourable mentions. Um, I thought... I want to try and work this out. Um, Sheikh Salinas, I thought, yeah. was a decent honourable mention. Quality he, he, fellow. He's, he's, he, uh, like, he, he was only here for a year and a bit, but I thought he's really settled into San Jose. Um, a guy who I... Didn't expect to still be in the MLS, Daigo Kobayashi. <laughs> Daigo. <laughs> I did not see yeah. There was a Kobayashi playing against Vancouver today. There was. Oh, yeah. and he, Zach he sc- Kobayashi. He scored and he was actually very good. It was a nice goal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one, of you, uh, your former co-host said he couldn't hit the side of a barn. A Tebow. Harris. Harris. I knew Tebow mm. was going to be in there somewhere. Um, so, uh, and so, uh, number I lo- one. I, I know who it is. Lee Nguyen. Oh, not Alan Gordon. No, Lee oh. Nguyen. Um, I, I, he's essentially leading uh, New England yeah, in their yeah. attack. He's, he's, uh, and and the thing is, is he made a comment, um, and so he got released. But I think Vancouver would be so much better if they had just we, held we, on to him for a little bit. That longer. was not why he was released, according oh. to the club. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I will always remember Lee 
for not being able to find the television <laughs> in his hotel room. <laughs> and then someone tweeted at him, have you tried opening the, that cabin. cupboard? Ah... <laughs> uh, Good old no, the players at the time just could not understand what was going on, why they would do that. Yeah, no, I think I think it was at that time because it was a new club, um, and it was so public too, and uh, like his comment, it was like right on. Like if he just you said just have it, to watch though with social media yeah. these days, it's like no, but someone's like, always going to jump on you for something. But, but <laughs> so when someone does something wrong or makes a mistake, then you just get rid of them. Yeah, apparently no, there's, like, there's no forgiveness anymore. Uh, no, no. In this in this case, uh, like there have been players this year who have done the wrong things and they haven't been getting rid of. No, uh, but so it's kind of I a different. I don't think atmosphere. it helped either that the Metro did a big story yeah. on it either and kind of blew the whole thing up. Yeah, that, I think that made the yeah. big difference. Here, 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 I'll tell you something shocking. Yeah. There's been players in Vancouver during their time in Vancouver mm-hmm. who have done things that are probably far worse. Oh, for yes. sure, I can guarantee that. Yeah, I just missed the days of bike racks. Wait, <laughs> Wait who else is on your list? Oh, that, that's fine. What about Knighton? I know, but... Uh, oh, Knighton, uh, who, yeah. He you're would, not going to list every single person. No, no, no. He said he... he no, who else? Who are the... You said there was like 11. You oh, checked. 11, yeah. He um, just... He gave us some... Michael Boxall, obviously. Right. Barrett Knighton and Giles Barnes. Okay. okay. I th- that's the only 11. I, I might have missed somebody. Hopefully, I didn't, but that's the f- 11 I saw. Well, let's just hope that there are no more Whitecaps exes that come back to kind of haunt us. Now, though, we're close to the end of the show, so that can only mean one thing. It's time for Wavelength. And in honour of my chat with Ray Winston, I've gone for a West Ham supporting band. The Cockney Rejects, you had a little bit of their version of Bubbles there. This is a song from the 1993 Greatest Hits Volume 3. And continuing our theme for the month of Wavelength, this is a a song about (laughs) football hooliganism and violence on the terracing. I know you didn't want any more, Zach, but... I we don't want to know what you condone. I, I have a lot. I condone these songs. They're awesome. Condemn. Why can't you just play the normal version of Bubbles? Ah, too blah. Anyway, this is the Cockney Rejects and War on the Terraces. <laughs>
Courtney Rejects there and War on the Terraces. Courtney Rejects, the band that sent off Upton Park, the bowling ground, played a few songs that historic night. Wonderful. Yeah, and I thought there was going to be some war on the terraces this week. Yes. Um, in London. But there was, an, there was to an extent. A little bit here and there. Yeah, they definitely blitzkrieg London oh. this week. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, the Cologne fans. It was 20,000. Yeah, 20,000. They had 2,900 tickets. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, so you know what happens with this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did we talk about this before? No. You just no. kick you, crap out of each other. No, no, no. <clears throat> I've heard from people. That what the, what the supporters let's use the term supporters will sometimes do is yeah you know not all of your mates have a ticket mm. and so you just all push your way through and at one time you get in yes and um, I don't you, think you can do that if maybe like a few guys a few guys don't have tickets I, I don't think that happened though I think a lot no. of people bought the tickets yeah. on the black market they, did, and then no. they, they bought them from Arsenal fans yes. that yeah. were selling them and, 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 then and I, and I they also, tried to get into the away end because there was a lot of space there I, also, the, yeah. I also heard that uh, a lot of uh, uh, the supporters um, uh, basically beca- they, they bought Arsenal oh. memberships knowing yes. that they were they, they had uh, they were UK changed their the yeah. wallpaper on their phones bought yeah. Arsenal scarves yeah. everything yeah. like and that and then they switched once they got in yeah yeah, the, the, the Cologne no. fans were wonderful. Amazing. That's just the, t- what football should be. Totally. The lead up into the stadium, in the, in the stadium, they might have lost on the, on the scoreboard, but they oh, they definitely. won off the field. And you're gonna but, have you're gonna in those cases you're gonna have some people fighting. That's no big deal. That happens here. Yeah. BC. But just for people's clarity, in in the UK, right, mm-hmm. or, or maybe in all of Europe. You you can't go if you're an away supporter. You can't just go into like like it happens at BC Place. When Seattle comes, you'll see green shirts anywhere. Yeah, you can't just go. You and, can't do that, right? No, they'll remove you. Fulham are a rare club. They actually have a stand where supporters of any team can go and mingle. You don't even have to be a Fulham supporter or an away supporter. They had a stand just for people to go and mix. But in general, in general, no. Right. So if you showed up, you were wearing the other team's kit, they'd say, "Sorry, you have to go." Yes. Even if once you sit down too, yeah, they'll actually escort you out. Yeah. Anyway, now you talked about. Losing on the scoreboard, but basically winning in everyone's hearts. I think that was WFC 2 today. <laughs> 2-1 defeat. Their, their playoff hopes are now officially, officially over. over. Oh, so you got to stop. Yep. Busto scored again today. Yes. A nice goal. Nice finish. I don't know his, do you know what his celebration was? He put his three fingers up. Uh, no. I Maybe didn't. it's the three of his, we his brothers asked. and sisters. Maybe there's three of we them. We should have asked him that when he was showing off his sweet, sweet boots oh, and yeah. talking about his defensive game. Yes. <laughs> but Marco had amazing shoes on today. I loved them. Kind of very punk-esque. Talking of punk, actually, going back to Wavelength, when I was putting this together, my wife's like, do all the songs have to be punk? I was like, yes. Yes, they do. That's not true. No, it is. I have a whole load you're, of punk songs coming. You're Most all, of them about you're, football violence. You're all your honour, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll say to the judge when I go to court. Yes, your honour. Thank you very much. You have my all. But Whitecaps 2, yeah, went down 2-1 today. Sad. Debut of a new player. Yes. Danny Barber. Barbier. Barbier. No, uh, he looked good, though. 
strapping lad, as Corey kept describing him in the. No, he's he's a player. Broadcast. He's a player who uh, like other other big clubs were after. Yes. Uh, that's the one I was talking. The about. Whitecaps have kind of gone in now to make no. sure they get him. Six month no. deal though. No, that's, I'm, I'm that's talking, interesting. I'm, I'm actually talking about when he was 14, 15. Uh, the big clubs in yes. England were going after. Yes. Man City started Chelsea. off in Man City Academy, went to West Brom for yeah. three years, and yeah, he, he chose Stoke. to go with a smaller yeah. club. Showed he could do it on a wet night in Stoke by scoring a goal in his three appearances. Yeah, yeah but unfortunately today, he said he looked good. The wet turf at, at UBC was not his friend, yes. and he looked at least partially at fault for the, the ultimately the winning goal. It was a, an unfortunate loss. I really thought they were going to get something out of it. They definitely deserved to. And, yep, they've got a few games left. Let's just hope they can... Finish with a flourish, and some of the guys can maybe impress Carl Robinson. Because who knows where they're going to be next year? But for now, let's just say goodbye. So just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at Zachary AM, and I'm part of the Movement Curve Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. You can find us on Instagram at AFT in Soccer. Read our stuff. Away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.